Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is Lucia Chachulovic. I am an investment writer at Julius Baer, and I will start off today's episode with an overview of what has happened in the markets. Now, looking back to yesterday, the highly anticipated US inflation numbers were making headlines. Core inflation, which excludes food and energy, jumped to a 40-year high of 6.6% in September from a year ago. The broader consumer price index increased 8.2% year-on-year. The rise in prices was broad-based and could be observed across shelter, food and medical care items, to name just a few. Market expectations are now clearly for another 0.75% rate hike at the FOMC meeting in early November. The U.S. inflation data triggered a slide in U.S. bond markets. U.S. stocks plunged and then rallied, making for a volatile day on Wall Street. All three major indices, the S&P 500, the Nasdaq Composite and the Dow Jones, ended the day up by more than 2%. Now, you might wonder why stocks rallied. According to Bloomberg, reasons for the rally include speculation that the year-long sell-off inequities had reached a bottom, short covering, less than terrible earnings reports, and sturdy positioning, including well-provisioned hedges. Now, this morning in Asia, shares jumped. The Nikkei 225 in Japan and the Hang Seng Index in Hong Kong were both up by more than 3%. And in China, the broad consumer price index increased by 2.8% in September from a year ago, its fastest since April 2020. Meanwhile, the country's ability to contain a deepening property debt crisis has come under some scrutiny after a private developer with state backing failed to pay a coupon. Now, looking ahead, European futures are also set to rally, but the Swiss market seems to be the exception, with SMI futures still in the red earlier. And making headlines over here in Europe are still England's Bailey versus Quarteng, as well as the European Central Bank, where hawkish officials aim to start unwinding the institution's 5.1 trillion euro assets while retaining interest rates as their primary monetary policy tool. In commodities, oil initially fell overnight on reports that US oil inventories jumped, but then oil prices recovered somewhat and are currently in the green, as Saudi Arabia and the US continue to clash over plans by OPEC Plus to slash production. Gold prices are trading rather flat this morning after having fallen earlier, and cryptocurrencies got a boost from the improved risk appetite in global markets, lifting Bitcoin to a one-week high and putting the largest token on the cusp of retaking the 20,000 US dollar level. So what can we expect for the day ahead? Now, of course, investors are turning their attention to the earnings season. JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, Citi and Morgan Stanley are the first major US banks to report quarterly earnings today. There is some hope among investors that third quarter earnings can perhaps come to the market's rescue like it did in the previous reporting period. On the economic front, France and Spain will issue their CPI prints today. And in the US, we will receive September's retail sales data, as well as the latest consumer sentiment figures from the University of Michigan. And finally, the Bank of England's emergency bond buying is set to end. But let's see what the day has in store for us. That's all from me for today. I would now like to hand over to David Cole, our chief economist, with his take on U.S. inflation figures and their impact on the Fed's tightening path. Good morning from my side. 
Yes, uh, widely watched inflation figures. So finally had been uh, reported and uh, our take is uh, slightly different than what uh, Lucia outlined in terms of uh, broadness of the inflation increase. Yes, he hopes uh, that we have a distinct peak here in inflation. This has been definitely disappointed. So inflation is coming down, at least uh, when we look at the headline rate. So all the components but it's not coming down fast enough. And that uh, has important implications, what we expect uh, from the Fed. Uh, our take so far had been uh, this inflation will open uh, for the Fed the window uh, to slow down its pace of uh, monetary policy tightening. Uh, next meeting is on November, actually. Uh, so uh, we have to revise uh, this, uh, this take on that. Uh, we think with this inflation figure together uh, with uh, the uh, labor market, which has peaked, but also not decisively peaked, uh, the Fed is probably still on the path to hike rates again, the fourth times in a row by 75 basis points, an exceptionally large amount, and will not reduce the pace of, of tightening uh, in the November meeting, at least. And we think uh, they have to tighten as well, then also in the December meeting, by 50 basis points, uh, just to fulfill here the expectations uh, markets have already for the Fed, uh, but also the Fed's own assessment uh, to reach uh, a Fed funds target rate of 4.5%. But back to the inflation number, do we think that this is uh, the right decision to tackle uh, this kind of inflation with a tighter monetary policy? We, co we continue to question that, and we think uh, the Fed is really moving in the direction of committing here a policy mistake in this sense, tackling inflation, uh, which is not really driven by cyclical factors. And uh, Lucia just outlined a few factors which have uh, contributed to this miss of uh, inflation uh, this month. And this had been rents, uh, this had been uh, medical services, and this had been food prices. Um, all of them, or most of them, are not really related to the current Fed and to the future Fed policy. Uh, the most uh, we can construct a link really on Fed policy, uh, economic growth momentum, and inflation is probably in the rent component. But here uh, we have indeed a slow-moving component. And of course, rents will eventually uh, follow the prices of, of homes, uh, of apartments, and they are going down for some time already. So here, the mission has been already accomplished by the Fed to bring uh, the housing market uh, really down. Uh, so we expect rents, yes, they might increase again uh, in the October reading, uh, but going forward, the path is here rather down. Uh, so in this component, mission is accomplished. And uh, one important component of the inflation number uh, has not uh, hit the headlines. Why? Well, because it had been zero. It's the famous durable goods prices, which, uh, which, ex uh, which had a boom uh, after the pandemic, uh, which went through the roof, which had been a major contribution for the post-pandemic inflation rise, uh, they have been zero uh, at the September reading. Uh, so really here, the cyclical components contributed um, rather to a slowdown of inflation momentum. But these slow-moving components like rent prices, <clears throat> they actually uh, were responsible for the big miss. And therefore, we think, yes, uh, the headline numbers uh, the uh, slow uh, decline of the inflation rate, the slow peaking of the inflation rate, this is too little to convince the Fed uh, to go away from this uh, hawkish monetary policy um, for the, the, bring from, from their determination uh, to really slow the economy with even more uh, monetary policy tightening. We acknowledge that. We still think that this is a policy mistake and the Fed will need to rever reverse uh, its course then later uh, in, the, in the coming year. Um, by cutting rates again when the economy slows in response 
to this monetary policy tightening, which is getting now with our new forecast uh, quite overdone in the coming months. That's all from my side. Back to you, Lucia. Very interesting. Thank you very much, David. Now moving on to currencies and metals. We have Tim Gagey, head of FX and PM Solutions in Geneva with us this morning. Tim, what do you see happening in the FX markets at the moment? Thank you, Lucia, and good morning, everyone. Well, the long-awaited US CPI data indeed finally hit the market yesterday. And although it was actually somewhat higher than expected, pushing rates to recent record highs, and we see here fully pricing in the 75 basis points hike for the next Fed meeting, initially led to the dollar taking back its losses of the previous day. But what I found very interesting was that really did not last at all. And before too long, we were actually above pre-data levels in Eurodollar and cable, even an hour or so after the reading. And this morning, the story is the same in most major currencies, Australian dollar, Canadian dollar, etc. I find this reaction rather interesting because even quite recently, any positive dollar news led to a stronger dollar while anything else was ignored. Yesterday, however, was completely different with a positive dollar story basically being sidelined. I said last week that I am thinking that the dollar is starting to turn. And while short term, my timing last week was truly awful. I still do hold this view. And I think hedging dollar portfolio exposure to a degree and using dollar cash and derivatives like reverse convertibles and accumulators is the smart thing to do. On RM said to me yesterday, yeah, but cable has its own story, which I thought was a rather neat way of summing up the recent shenanigans with the pound. Sterling has, of course, been under huge pressure of late since the famous mini budget. And yesterday's rumours of parts of this budget potentially being rolled back were enough to motivate the market to buy some pounds. 115 in cable remains the big resistance. But with UK Chancellor Kwarteng flying back from the US a day early, we are on ready five here for any such fiscal reversals and a break of 115 could lead to a further leg up. The pound is cheap. This is not fair value where we are, despite all the recent political incompetence. That is my view, at least. Metals are struggling a little bit, particularly gold, which I think is being held back by rising yields. Platinum, however, continues to play its gloriously tight range back above 900 again this morning. Reverse convertibles with a decent coupon are still the way to go. It just keeps working. And I like looking at 12% annualized because that is 1% for the month, which is definitely worth having. Today is US retail sales will round out the week, and I will be particularly looking for how the market reacts to the data to see if the bias is indeed shifting towards looking for reasons to sell dollars rather than constantly looking for reasons to buy them, which is what the market's been doing for the last six months. Looks like this weekend will be glorious here in Geneva, so time for one last mow of the lawn and a cocktail in the sunshine. Thank you for listening. Happy Friday, and back to you, Lucia. Great. Thanks a lot, Tim. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in. I wish you a great day ahead and hope that you'll join us again soon. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Baer experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.